I'm Jacob Kurtzer. And I'm Kirsten Gelsdorf. And this is Beyond Aid, a podcast that takes you beyond the challenging headlines of humanitarian crises. And dives deeper into the people, ideas, and issues that may help us find ways to connect to humanitarian action. In today's conversation, Kirsten talks with Wa'ad and Dr. Hamza about their documentary for Sama, which goes beyond the headlines and gives a powerful insight into the crisis in Syria, as well as the story of Aleppo. Wa'ad and Dr. Hamza Al-Khatib, we're so excited and honored to have you here with us today on Beyond Aid. Your film is incredible for so many reasons, but one of the main ones and one of the issues that we're trying to talk about on this podcast is to allow people to get beyond the headlines. Your film gives us such a powerful insight into the crisis in Syria, as well as the story of Aleppo, but it also shares with us the story of your family. And so within the larger context of rebellion and crisis and suffering, we also see this really poignant love story and the story of friendship and story of community and story of resilience and what I loved was how you showed us that a film can encapsulate both of those things. It was such a holistic, emotional experience. And can you tell us a little bit about why you chose to make the movie this way? And as you were making it, did you realize that that's what was happening, right? That you were kind of giving the viewer such a broad experience. Thank you very much first for, for all this amazing introduction. You know, it's not like we chose to make the film in this way. We were just trying to reflect and show the, the world what was happening, how was the situation was there. And I think all within all the horror that was happening in, in, in Aleppo, in Syria in general, there was like this spirit of revolution, of building a new life, of building like a new community. I think the community in Syria, we used to be like really scared of each other, even in like single family. This is something we were raised on and it's like any dictatorship like country you know so we we felt when the revolution started that there's something might be different there's a possibility of like a new life and i think that's what the film shows like part of that amazing community that built together and or stand together just to have like a like a new life one of the things that i wasn't aware of until the film was out and then saw the reaction of the people is they were seeing the film. They didn't really understand like why we were in the city, why we stayed there, why there were doctors like risking their lives to be there, why filmmakers like are being there, why civilians are still there. And it's all about the love, like for for our neighborhoods, for our people, for for our city, for the future of our country. And like yeah, it's all kind of makes sense when you when you look at it in, in that like broad perspective. I think that's so powerful because I, I was wondering, you know, now with so much coverage being on the Ukraine crisis, I'm always like, but there's also still Syria and there's the Congo, you know, there's all these others as well. But I was just curious to within that, do you find yourself having conversations about when people have questions on that as well? So like actually a lot. The main thing also like that people saw similarity is kind of the same like perpetrators, the same war criminals, the same tactics. But actually, I was a little bit kind of like it it's, was ironic for me that people were shocked that like, oh, Russian aircrafts are targeting like civilians in Ukraine or like they, or they are targeting hospitals. Like, yeah, they've been doing that for 10 years in Syria. And like it, it, it was... 
like it just it just the same we were heartbroken by because we know exactly what does it mean to feel like to be displaced from your family country we know what does it mean the the insecure or like the lack of any hope in the future or in the near future and all the chaotic situation and like we're glad for all the world that really like responds well to the, to this to this crisis and we hope that that will continue with others because it won't stop there unfortunately now that it's been a few years since you've produced and launched the film were there things that kind of surprised you about the reaction to the film yeah i think there's very very important like moment for me you know when i decided to do the film and i thought at that time like people won't really care about it and i have to do it like from my duty toward Aleppo and toward like the people who were there toward all this like big important evidence I have as like an archive. Um, I think what is really surprising me until today is like this continuous non-stopping reaction from people or they've able to help because they've seen for summer. Uh, People who still enter today believe that this is a very important tool and they have to like show the film and talk about it and be like helpful in any possible way to Syria or to any other like place. And I think, yeah, this is what's really, really like make me happy and make me proud and make me feel like it's something like not limited, not to time, not to region, not to anything. But the film itself is something people can relate to and can really like feel connected to. How do you feel about storytelling and its role in crisis response? I mean, do you think that there is a space for more of this to happen and that humanitarian agencies should be promoting this? Or There's like different kind of elements. Like first that the camera was not a foreign camera coming to, to film someone. It was like a camera like from that community. Like Hamza was was my husband, was the, the love of my life. Afra and the people in the hospital, I was living with them. So it was not like the camera was like a like a character inside that place. It was something like people won't be shy of like when they can talk, when they're gonna speak. The situation hall was like captured day and night, every single moment. Being like as a mom in that situation and being able to be open and honest toward everything happened. Not just because I'm an honest person, because I know this is for me was like life or death, because I know that I was survived, but so many people have not. And because like I had the support of even Hamza, not only when I was there, when I filmed everything, but also after and when we get out, I had Edward who was like really, really respectful and he was very generous with all the skills and the experience that he has to offer, you know, for the film and to the whole team, you know, like from everyone who worked on this and they just believed that this is very important and they wanted to do something important with that. To all the people, you know, who, who they shared their stories and they felt they they are proud that they are part of this film even after the film was out. It's more, I think, about empowering the local, the people who are living in that situation, giving them tools and help them to be able to tell their own stories by themselves. I think that's the really like significant like situation within for summer. I would add to that, I guess, also because it wasn't filmed like in a couple of weeks or a month or three months. It was filmed through years, like so it captured the whole story. So I've been in other films or like short kind of documentaries before, and it's always like the camera crew or the director will spend with me maybe like I don't know, a couple of hours 
through a week time when they have also like certain certain kind of uh, like scenes or expectations so like okay walk here treat that patient carry that child <laughs> laugh with them so it's like it is like your reality yes but it's it's a little bit like not not the whole reality not the 24 hours not how we like sit down relax together not how we hide in the basement or have a meal together and all of this so i guess this was like kind of the normal human moments that everyone in the world can relate to i think if i was a filmmaker before for some i would be never like near where it is now and the fact that i did this because i'm an activist because i'm part of that community and then a filmmaker you know like it was not my my first even the way how i identify myself uh, and for all of this you know like it was just a very like as you just mentioned you know like honest and raw story and then was like being really well made with the help of edward so all this together made made how how it is Hamza, you just mentioned too, you know, I've, I've read in past interviews that while filming, right, you didn't, you didn't take, you didn't stop and consider all the content that you had accumulated. And I was wondering, like, what was the editing process like? Like, I didn't understand really the suffering of watching the same materials and digging like in your memories day after day after day until maybe the last couple of months of these two years I had to go with them like kind of discuss some stuff and look to some like of the like we're I think we were doing like the sound or something and like yeah I come back home and I was like yeah like it's so so heavy like you feel yourself so tired emotional that really even affect like your 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 health like praise God, like like I'm I'm sorry I like judged you for the for the past couple of years. It was a lot to do. I'm a mother myself, and I the film is like such a beautiful love story. I also think about them, your children getting to watch this love story unfolding, and like your joy at when you found out you were pregnant. I mean, there's so many moments in the film. That I, my fav, one of my favorites is when um, the persimmon is given, right? And you just see this like joy and love. And I, I think that's the other part of what like we're trying to do with this podcast and trying to feel our way through, which is where in all of the despair and overwhelm can we connect to joy and life and community and humor and other things that you put in there to help us really mobilize, right? And make change and call for action as well. Like, is there a path between the positive emotions and change? Do you think that there is a place for joy in driving change and that we should look for it? Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting because at that time, we, we've never thought about it in this way. And now when I look back at this, and even when we have like any situation now, like even when we are out, outside of Syria, I think there is part of any natural human being, like resilience, you know, or like ability to fight everything bad in a way that it's reflecting, you know, some of the humor or like the joy or the love. And I think we really intended to find this and we tried to, sometimes build this on purpose without really even knowing this. 
Uh, but I think we survived because we had that joy between us. We have that love between us. And I'm not just talking about my own family or like for Sama or for Hamza, but for our friends, for Aleppo, for, for Syria, for our dreams of like change. I think with all of this, that's what gives us really all that strength. And I always remember like in the worst scenario of everything happened when we were down in the basement when we knew like you know we can hear like the the helicopter or like the aircrafts or the bombing and we knew it's coming 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 for me like most of the important things I was able to rely on and focus at that time was like the moments of the beginning of the revolution when we had this peaceful demonstration when we were like thousands of people in the street when we were like chanting and being able like to shout you know and make the whole world listen like to what we asking for which you know freedom dignity and things we've never experienced to understand and you know like all of this powerful like amazing feeling we had at that time the way how we we were able like to build this community and work together and be together I think it's something really natural it's not something in me or in Hamza or in everyone in the film but in the worst circumstances human beings are able to find their way they are they are able to find the hope they are able to look at the beautiful moments of of their past the beautiful memories that they might create one day and i think that's the most important thing that made us survive and will make everyone survive do you think there's things that the like this larger bureaucratic international aid system and policymakers can do on that, right? So much of humanitarian aid is these material goods that are delivered or things like that. I just wonder, you know, I think kind of the same way that you talk about telling people's stories, right? Should be, there should be a lot more of people telling their own stories and the full story and the longer story. Similarly to with humanitarian aid, you know, if you were going to redesign it or come up with like, what are some things that you think would be really important that the aid system should change and do and think about the way that it's delivering to actually support people? The basic thing to change of the system is the way how everything built, you know, from the UNHCR to like the UN Security Council, all the way down to like the very, very small local aid organization in any area, even if it's in Afghanistan or Syria or Somali or wherever is it, it's always have the same issues and same problem and same bureaucratic like way of looking at everything. I really believe and I started to understand this much, much, much more when we get out, uh, when we are out now, like, you know, with looking at how everyone goes into the system, change and being like into this machine who's produced another person with no real hope, with no real like passion about the work. It's like, you know, making everyone similar in the same box and everyone who's thinking out of this box or going out to any new, like breaking the rules, you know, in the way that obviously this should be broken. The system is not allowing you to be creative. It's not allowing you to be like really productive. And the rules of these countries, because at the end, you know, all of these rules and all of these instructions and all of this like laws being made by men or governments or people who are in power who wants to protect themselves in case they were in that position. And when we look back now about what happened in Syria and we look now about Ukraine and Russia and look about how after 11 years of all the crimes that have been committed in Syria, we still have to take permission from Russia to have a cross-border resolution to help 
aid to get into, like, for the Syrian people. So I'm very, very frustrated for all of this system and even the way how people in these places think and just, it's, I think it's all, like, not working and will never be working. If we didn't destroy all of this system and we start to build something really, again, from the ground, from these people who've been into that circumstances, we will never be able, like, to... Not, not, not now protect Syria or protect Ukraine, even like now protect this other countries who's going to be in that position again. You've now become an international advocate as well. How is that different? Like from, I mean, you're obviously will always still be a local advocate, but how is now also kind of being an international advocate? How, how does that feel differently for you? And what are the different opportunities or how do you see it? Like it is, it is a little bit tricky because like, unfortunately there is, so like a lot of mess in the world and like we're always kind of sometimes when you feel like like overwhelmed a lot we just like say we, we can't fight just on all fronts starting with like refugee crisis the the racism that does like the the governmental like racism and in the system and everyone and everything like related to to the refugees talking about conflicts attacks on healthcare facilities and the frontline healthcare workers, the chemical weapons attacks, and like not bringing the climate or environmental, <laughs> like that's like a different even topic. So it is like there are so many, so many stuff to to work on and to try to, to advocate for. But I guess we find it a little bit kind of like an explanation or justification why we have survived is to keep trying to advocate for those cases and to tell the stories that we have lived and to tell the stories like of other refugees and like why people became refugees in the first place to the, the attacks on healthcare, to the filmmaking on frontline and the attacks on journalism. We tap on our shoulders that like this is what we have to do for and this is why we're, 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 we are here now outside and why, why we survive. But also, I think there's something, you know, you find when you meet other advocators like even if in different like topics and stuff and the way how you know they feel what we've been through and we feel like the struggle in something even if we're not aware of the topic or like even the cases they are talking about but there is like a feeling of solidarity and feeling of hope you know that we are like similar to what Hamza was saying about like keep trying and you feel you feel this is not like an individual story it's more collective stories and it's more like collective work it has to be to be done for all of us, for not a better Syria, but a better like global or like a better world for all of us. I love that idea of global humanity kind of coming together on finding ways to support within the causes and that, that are important to them, but also how that solidarity can help build strength at, at a global level and the partnerships that, that can happen and the inspiration. I think since so many people feel connected to you is can you tell our audience for those who don't know a little bit about what you're up to right now yeah so i mean we both live in london now with sama and Tema, and i'm working as a filmmaker i'm doing my second feature film and uh, it's about like a refugee story and yeah we try i'm trying our best to just have a normal life as much as we can yeah for me i've done a master in public health so more like in trying to to be like in health policy and conflict and health like policy or like related 
I'm starting a PhD in September. It's going to be about the medical evacuation for civilians in, in conflict and siege. And we have registered our, our campaign. So Action for Sama, we have like registered it under the name of We Dared to Dream. And like, yeah, looking on, on kind of how to kind of a little bit more. When we started it, we thought it's going to be just like with the film one year. And then that's it. Like that's the film cycle. It's, it's going to end. But like we, 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 so that's why how we started the campaign. But three years now, like we still have like screenings, panels, podcasts, <laughs> and so many other like basically advocacy to work on. Uh, so we're trying like to kind of to, to coordinate a little bit like with the like the staff or the people who help us do more than than just the staff and uh, to just kind of uh, try to to frame the activities we're trying to do and coordinate it. It's an immense amount of work, the advocacy that you all are doing after the film. And I just, I want to thank you for continuing to do this and to speak out and, you know, keep on doing the screenings. And, you know, I'm sure you hear it all the time, but it was, it's just such an incredibly powerful film as, you know, I've spent 20 years working in humanitarian aid and I, I can easily say it was the most powerful like thing I've ever seen documentary. That was, I had to watch it in multiple different ways to kind of, but so thank you for that. And, you know, I think it's just, it, it's incredible what, what you both are doing. Yeah, thank you so much. So. And we really feel like, you know, I mean, every time we feel tired or whatever is it, like we feel like we, we, we made something, it, it's really helping people to understand. And that's for us very, very important. So no, thank you very much for having us and for all the students and all the questions. And we're always happy to be here and to answer everyone. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you both so much. Next time on the podcast, we will go beyond assistance and speak with Jocelyn Bull from Sierra Leone's Refugee All-Stars and Anisur Rahman Rana, a member of the Bangladeshi wheelchair basketball team. Thank you for listening to Beyond Aid. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. To make sure you don't miss our next episode, subscribe to Beyond Aid on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.